again, Joseph, for the fifth episode of the Driving You Crazy podcast. I'm Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Luber. And I'm Joseph Peters, overnight producer at Denver 7. We are recording this the day before Thanksgiving, right? So I'm going to be down in Castle Rock helping out with the turkey trot Thanksgiving morning. It's called the Turkey Rock Trot. It's something I've done for the past half a dozen years or so. We raise money for the Douglas Elbert County Task Forces, or I guess it's Task Force, um, and it helps low-income and homeless families in the two counties. They raise a lot of money through this one event. It's actually turned into a pretty good turkey trot, and so I'll be down there. What are your big plans for Turkey Day? I will be working, as I have done for the past three Thanksgivings. It will be a good time, and then I will go home and make turkey with a little bit of sausage cranberry stuffing and an apple bourbon pie, so, you know. Oh, apple well. Average Thursday. I, I think some of the bourbon might be splashed into a cup, right, before it makes it into the pie? <laughs> no comment. Okay. Uh, well, <laughs> what do you think is the worst time to hit the road for uh, for traveling on Thanksgiving? Uh, probably any time Wednesday, I would uh, imagine. Yes. Well, it, that is true. Wednesday at 3 o'clock, that's according to Google, is supposed to be the worst time for hitting the roads. It's already a madhouse over at uh, Denver International Airport. Uh, the parking lots are getting full, and the security wait times have been a half an hour. So it's been a busy day over there. And it, it seems pretty obvious that Thursday, or the uh, Thursday, actually day, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving day, is going to be pretty light. But they say the best time to leave. What do you think the best time to leave to come home from the holiday is? To come home for the holiday? Yeah. Jeez. Uh, you would think sometime, like, Saturday evening, maybe? No. Uh, the best time to leave after the holiday is actually, they say, according to Google Maps, is Friday morning at 6 a.m. Really? Uh, that's not going to happen. Because who wants to leave g- when you've just spent the whole time with your family, if you've made a trip to, to grandmother's house, and your belly is full of turkey, and there are leftovers galore in the fridge, uh, and why are you going to leave on a Friday morning when everybody wants to go shopping? That's absurd. It's it, completely You're absolutely absurd. right. It's worth the traffic to not have to leave at fri- 6 o'clock on a Friday yes. morning. Now, Google says the worst time to leave to come back home is Saturday at 4. I would think it would be Sunday at 4, but I have a feeling either day is going to be pretty crowded, especially on I-70 for the folks that are uh, uh, here in Colorado coming back from the high country. A lot of folks go up skiing, go to the mountains. Right. So I think either Saturday or Sunday afternoon is going to be very, very busy around here. Either way, I hope you have a great and safe Thanksgiving, Joseph, and everybody. Especially Absolutely. if you're traveling. Remember what you're thankful for, and remember that you're thankful for the Driving You Crazy podcast. Yes. You can reach the show via email. That's drivingyoucrazypodcast at gmail.com. You can text me your complaints at 720-232-1584. Jason and I are both on Twitter. I'm Joseph Denver 7 He's Denver 7 Traffic. And you can find him on Facebook, Jason Luber, Traffic Guy. Now, with all these people driving to see family, Joseph, when you're tired while you're driving... Have you ever start, felt uh, sort of like started falling asleep at the wheel? I have actually caused a crash with a town selectman by falling asleep behind the wheel. That is not good. Was everybody okay? Everybody was okay. Um, it was one of those situations where he braked and I was out of it, not paying attention, didn't get a lot of sleep in high school, and what happens, happens. Uh, well, according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, they say, why not just drink some coffee and get over it? That's their recommendation. That is a bad recommendation. It is a bad recommendation. They sent out a tweet the other day that said, quote, drink one to two cups of coffee if you're feeling sleepy. Click for more ways to prevent drowsy driving, unquote. Now, the link they include in the tweet takes you to the driving drowsy tips page that is actually broken, saying the page could not be found. Whoops. 
on that. Uh, th- and this advice, just to drink a couple of cups of coffee, is actually really terrible advice. Uh, this is why. The suggestion comes from way back in the 1990s. Uh, it's part of a congressional report where one of the preferred solutions to overcome drowsy driving is just to knock back one or two cups of joe and, or take some caffeine supplements, and then you're good to go, keep on motoring, just, just keep it, uh, you know, foot down on the pedal and keep on going. Now, the first problem with this suggestion is that you're at a point where if you feel the need to shotgun a couple of Starbucks, double espressos, you should probably postpone whatever driving you need to do. The coffee shots are going to keep you alert for a little while, but the sleepy bug's going to come back. And when it does, at least for me, it always comes back with a vengeance. And when the sleepiness really comes back, hopefully the rumble strips, those are the ones that are cutting the pavement on the side of the highway that make those sounds when your tires hit them. Uh, That's going to be the sound that wakes you up and not a sound of the crash that you cause, like that happened to you, and maybe somebody even gets hurt. Well, and drowsy driving, I think, is one of those things that sneaks up on you to a certain extent. You don't really realize it maybe when you get in the car, and then all of a sudden you're nodding off, or you hit those rumble strips, which is a really dramatic... I think everybody's had that moment where they hit the strips, they didn't even realize that they were in danger of doing so, and it's kind of a jolt, like they did what they were supposed to do. You know, if you do slug down a couple of cups, uh, it takes around 20 minutes for the caffeine in the coffee to really start doing its thing. It doesn't take full effect until around the 40-minute mark, so that means you're drowsy driving at a minimum of 15 minutes and may not feel anything for up to 40 minutes or more into your trip. If you're doing a shorter commute, let's say just from home to work, then it's likely you wouldn't even feel the full effects of the coffee until you've already got, uh, arrived at work. There's also the issue of caffeine affecting people differently. Some people are affected by caffeine uh, unless they, they have a really big dose. That's, I'm actually one of those people. The, the, the majority of people, however, have you know, normal sensitivity. For normal sensitivity drinkers, the daily suggested amount of caffeine a day is between three and 400 milligrams. That's equal to about two to three cups of brew, regular brewed coffee, right? But nobody has just a regular brewed coffee. They usually have the big, tall Starbucks thing, right? Right. Uh, that means you're going to be taking about your full recommended daily dose of caffeine if you follow that recommendation it, it, right then. I mean, that's it. I mean, if you just slug back a couple of – that's it. And that's assuming that you, that you haven't had any all day, which is probably not the case. Right. I've driven drowsy. I've driven drowsy from work to home, and my drive is only about a half an hour. Like you say, it's scary. It, it is one of those unsettling feelings when, when it happens to you. And, and I'm mostly disturbed when I realize that I just drove for God knows how far while I was barely paying attention, and I was not only putting myself at risk, but uh, obviously other people as well. Um, i barely paying attention in, in those it, it feels like minutes, but it's probably seconds that you're that you're just not paying attention. And if you think you're driving with your windows open, maybe, or turning your radio up really loud, if you think that's going to help you out or any of the other home remedies that you think are really going to help keep you awake, they, they never really work for very long. Well, and you don't realize that they're not working until it's too late. Right. I mean, when you finally figure the, the really w- the wake up call is when you get into that car accident or when you hit something that you didn't expect to be there because you just closed your eyes for two seconds thinking that you had the ability to. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think the recommendation from the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration, it should be to never drive while drowsy, period. That's what it should have been, at least for my opinion. Uh, coffee or caffeine supplements have way too many variables to be an effective solution. It might not be the most convenient thing to do to take a quick nap or or just reschedule your trip or find another way to get to where you need to go 
but it is the safest. And sometimes it's hard for people in this day and age to put their safety over, I have to get here, I have to do this, I, I have to keep pushing the limits of, of my body and my safety. Right now, in my opinion, drowsy driving is just as dangerous, if not more so, than driving under the influence. Or, or driving distracted, like using your phone or fiddling with something in your car. If you have to rely on the large amount of really any drug to keep you driving, you probably shouldn't be driving. Absolutely. And it's truck drivers really where I think this is the biggest problem, correct? Because they're, they are under some sort of pressure to make their quota or make it from point A to point B right. in a certain period of time. And if you look at a lot of these supplements, if you stop at any of the truck stops, you'll see these supplements, the five-hour energies and coffee and caffeine supplements and the wakey-up supplements, all that stuff is right there in the front when you are stopping at any of the truck stops at the cashier stand. You'll see them all sitting right there. There, hey, why don't you just take some of these and it'll pep you up for a little bit. You know, it doesn't matter that you're drowsy driving, especially driving one of those huge semis. And then if there's some weather-related issues, let's say going up on I-70 when all of a sudden there's a, a little snow squall that comes by and uh, makes the road slippery and you're already tired as, uh, at that point. It could be disastrous. That's just it. I mean, it's a very minor hit to your reflexes, but it's a big one when it hits the wrong time. It, I know. It, all right. Well, maybe after that lecture, maybe it's time we should take a break so I can put my high horse and my soapbox back in the closet. Can I Can I ask you real quick? <laughs> what was the context for this? Like the NHTSA, it's one thing if me and you were talking about drowsy driving and if like I gave somebody this bad advice, okay, whatever, I'm just a guy. But for the NHTSA to come out with a tweet like this, what was the context? Did they take it back at some point or are they sticking with this as a good piece of advice? Uh, after it was sitting out there for several days and it was still out there and that is their advice. That is still their good advice right now. Those are your tax dollars at work. Folks. There you go. Well, coming up, we have a question from someone about those large overhead message boards. This person says the message boards up there are a little depressing. So I asked the Department of Transportation here in Colorado about that, and we'll have their answer. We'll have that and, of course, much, much more as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. What's driving you crazy? The mailbag is next. I'm Daryl Orr, and you're listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber. I feel like the Denver 7 morning show is unlike any other morning show. Everyone's just so energetic, and you can tell they care about everything that they're talking about. When it comes to the traffic with Jason or weather with Lisa, uh, they're just so passionate about both of uh, those angles of our morning news. And then just watching Dale and Mitch interact and talk about some of the things that they're familiar with. It really makes a difference when it comes to the news, because you could just tell that everything they're saying, they're involving themselves in. It's just a, a great show, very interesting. Amanda Del Castillo, only on Denver 7. The Denver 7 Morning Show is a great mix of kind of everything. Obviously, the breaking news that you need, the weather and the traffic as you wake up and get out the door. But then we like to have some fun, too. We actually have personalities, whether it's Jason Luber and Lisa. They're always getting on each other and whatnot. Dale and Mitch. And then even us reporters out in the field, we like to have fun from time to time and then tell you the news that you need before you get out the door. Jason Grenauer, only on Denver 7. It's the Driving You Crazy Podcast with your host, Jason Luper. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome back.
Welcome back to the Driving You Crazy podcast. I'm Jason Luber, the traffic anchor here at Denver 7 News. And I am Joseph Peters, overnight producer. You can get a hold of the Driving You Crazy podcast on Facebook. You can find either the station, Denver 7. You can reach Jason at Jason Luber Traffic Guy. You can find me. I'm Joseph Peters. And we are both on Twitter. I am at Joseph Denver 7. He is at Denver 7 Traffic. We are going to answer the mailbag in just a little bit. But, Jason, did you see this story? RTD is not going to open the new transit rail lines to Arvada and Aurora at all this year. Yeah, I did see it, and I had a feeling something was wrong with the new rail lines since it's been radio silence from RTD the past couple of months about the new lines that were originally supposed to open in about a week or so. Uh, If they were on track, I would be bombarded right now with all kinds of press releases and info and phone calls. Hey, promote the line, promote the line. Giving an official opening date, I would be hearing all about that, and I'm not hearing anything at all. So the two lines are the G line from downtown Denver all the way through Arvada and Wheat Ridge. And the R line that goes through Aurora, it's an extension that comes up from Parker Road, the Nine Mile Station, and up to I-70. That R line is highly anticipated because it's going to connect the south side of town and Aurora to the A line. And that's the line that heads from downtown Denver all the way out to the airport. Now, this delay, according to the Denver Business Journal, they had a story... Uh, about this, and they say that the continuing problems with the software that controls the crossing gates at the intersections along that A line and also the B line, the Federal Railroad Administration will not allow testing on the new lines until the problems are corrected. Because there is a difference between there is some light rail and some commuter rail. The A line that goes out to the airport is commuter rail. It's a larger car. It's different. Tra- it's just a little bit of a different system than the light rail system that we have through most of Metro Denver. So just as a background for listeners, the A-line out to the airport has been plagued with delays because of the crossing arms at all the stop that, that are supposed to stop traffic when the train comes through. They're just not working right. They still have people, actually physical people there at every one of the crossings. They're there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, making sure those crossing gates are working right. And there's been nearly uh, weekly delays with the train because of the crossing gate problems as well as other electrical problems, that at one time it stranded a train full of passengers on the tracks not too far from the airport. When you leave out the biggest detail, they were on the tracks. They were, what, like 50 feet in the air because it was on a bridge. That's right. And then they had to walk off the train and then try to get back to some safe area and then get their stuff off of the the car later. Yikes. RTD on November 2nd received a 90-day waiver from the Federal Railroad Administration to allow them to operate the A-line and the B-line with the flaggers still in place while it works to fix out the crossing gate problem. Now, as long as there are flaggers there, the um, Federal Railroad Administration will not allow any uh, of the new lines to go forward, especially that G line that goes up through Arvada and Wheat Ridge. They will not allow it to get approved. And then they first have to test those lines, too. So they first have to get approval, then they have to test, and and that's going to take some time. So as soon as the Federal Railroad Administration does give the approval to start testing the new lines, after that, it'll take about 45 days of successful tests before either line could open to the public. Now, at this rate, they could maybe not even open the G line until spring, honestly. Now, the Aurora uh, R line, it had an additional problem. It was a major computer circuit board that controls the electronic systems. Well, that did not work properly. So a replacement has to come from Switzerland and then be installed and tested before they can move forward. So they think the R-Line can open in mid to late January, and that's only under the best case scenario. So this is just bad news all around for RTD. 
and it's going to be a talking point for years and years to come. It's been 20 years, and you weren't here at the time, when DIA opened, the, the, the Denver International Airport opened. And it had the automatic baggage system that United was touting as the greatest thing ever. That it was going to get your bag right off the plane. Your bag was going to go through this automated system. These uh, little scans were going to work to bring your bags before you uh, get to baggage claim. Uh, your bags were going to be waiting there. Well, I- instead, bags were flying off of the system, getting torn up. It never worked right. It was always plagued with all kinds of horrible <laughs> problems. It cost a ton of money. And we still, at least the people that were anywhere involved with the airport, the people of Denver, still remember that to this day, 20 years later. So these problems with the A-Line and RTD uh, out to the airport, people will remember this forever. This A-Line thing is, as you already said, the A-Line thing I think already has a little bit of that stink on it. And it's going to be really interesting to see what RTD does in the future to try to correct that. Because right now, I don't think there's any incentive for anybody to take the A-Line unless they're really in a financial need. I think anybody who has a vehicle just doesn't trust it if they've seen the stories. And it's been this public-private partnership with the A-Line. And so there's this private company involved in this thing, and they keep getting fined over a million dollars now by RTD because of these problems. So it's a big mess, and unfortunately, it's not going to get cleaned up anytime soon. Well, and the problem with software and with coding in general is that once you start coding this stuff, it's very difficult to bring somebody else in and walk them through from scratch what the issue is. So RTD doesn't really have the option of just cut your software development out of the equation and bring in a new company to rewrite the code. Because you would think that's the easiest solution. But this company is so ingrained in what's going on and they know so much that they kind of have to work this problem out by themselves. And as we've seen, that's taking a really long time. Let's go on. Uh, we got to move forward with the mailbags. We had an interesting question from Stacy from Greenwood Village. She writes, who is in charge of the writing that goes on the electronic signs all over the metro area? Their default signage is something along the lines of 34 dead babies this year. Be careful. Or 500 dead motorcyclists. Look where you're going. And 700 dead people from DUIs. Watch yourself. It's like Debbie Downer is writing these things. When you're stuck in traffic for long periods, which nowadays seems like always, it's super depressing and not a great PR campaign for Denver. Hundreds of thousands of drivers are concentrating on death like that's all there is happening in Denver for an extended period of time. I would gladly volunteer to write some more upbeat statements. Well, Stacy, I posed your question to Sam Cole. He's the traffic safety communications manager over at CDOT. He's the guy who directs the employees at the CDOT Transportation Management Center over in Golden to put those Debbie Downer messages, as you call them, on the variable message boards throughout the state. Now, he tells me the messages are one of the best ways that CDOT can use to remind drivers of the serious consequences of not paying attention while driving their car. That's what he says. Now, he says, quote, With fatalities on the rise, it is our duty to keep the public informed about the dangers on our roadways. By posting the number each week, we hope to increase awareness of the problem and prompt people to drive more safely, unquote. You're right. Those those messages are not the uh, most happy and, uh, you know... I guess, hey, go out there and be safe on the roads got a message, right? We're trying to scare you straight, right? Exactly. Well, according to CDOT statistics, as of mid-November, there have been 536 traffic fatalities in Colorado. 167 of those deaths involve some type of suspected impairment by alcohol or drugs. July and September are tied for the deadliest months with 73 each, followed by June, August, and October. There were a total of 547 deaths uh, in Colorado on the roads in 2015 and 488 
in 2014. Really, in the last 20 years, there have been a total of almost 13,000 fatalities on Colorado roads. And I think that's what their point is. There's so many people dying on Colorado roads, they just want to they just want to stop it. So Sam tells me he agrees that the statistics are getting pretty depressing, uh, as the especially as the year this year is coming to a close. But he said he is open to including more positive messages with the public's help. So he says they already include a general safety message with the grim reminder messages, right? But he's willing to take suggestions for clever short slogans on traffic safety. Uh, he, he, this was his suggestion. He said things like, thanks for buckling up. Uh, I was hoping for something a bit more fun and humorous, but I'm sure they don't have a staff of joke writers over there. Thank you <laughs> right? to the employee from the Department of Transportation. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, was, I want something a little bit more. Hey, have a swell day. That's right. Just <laughs> buckle up. Get an ice cream. That's there, a positive <laughs> message, right? Go buckle up and have an ice cream. I like it. Uh, it you're walking on sunshine. Put those sunglasses on. Uh, if you have a suggestion, I guess you, you could send it to us and I could forward Forward it on to them, and maybe it'll make it on the message board. I don't know. Something like that. I mean, I think that's the stuff that'll really grab people, right? That's what we're going for, is something humorous that can turn into a meme on Facebook. Right. Uh, by the way, since we're recording this episode, episode the day before Thanksgiving, uh, Joseph, I want to say a moment to say thank you uh, to you personally for all your hard work on the morning show every day. It isn't easy, I know, uh, going to sleep during the day when everyone else is awake and then coming into work around 11 o'clock at night. Uh, I know that firsthand. Uh, so I thank you for what you do every day. Thanks to Brianne, who produces the 5 a.m. hour, and Brittany, who produces the 4.30 hour, and also does the breaking news wall. And to Emily, our executive producer, who incidentally has become a huge fan of this show. Uh, and really, and this wouldn't have gotten off the ground without you, Joseph, because you were the one who approached me about doing this podcast so I want to thank you for uh, all your hard work with not only the show, uh, but also with this this project as well. And, and I appreciate you on this Thanksgiving week. That is very kind of you. And we both know this show would be nothing without you. And I appreciate that as well. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share my voice with the Denver 7 community and with the Denver community. And I think with that, it about does it for this episode of the Driving You Crazy podcast. I hope everybody has a very happy and safe Thanksgiving. Uh, I have a pile of stories that I'll get back to you after the Thanksgiving holiday that I'm sure we'll talk about as we start the first week of December. Do you believe it? One more month until 2017. Bring it on. Yep. So everybody have a happy and safe Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you again on the next edition of the Driving You Crazy podcast.